Happy Halloween, CNR majors. I'm here with Dr. Liticote today, and we're going to be discussing a little bit how you can get involved in the human dimensions side of the natural resource world. So before I start, I want you guys to check out uh, the Natural Resource Converse Conversation uh, Science, Soil, and Plant Science Division and their job opportunities. Uh, the TWS projects are looking for waterfowl and sawwat owl co-leaders. So make sure you go to on Tuesday night, you guys can tune into the TWS meetings and then get applications there. The Botany Club is also having a plant sale in the DUC on the 28th and the 27th at 10 a.m. So make sure you bring cash and a mask. And then you guys can also tune into the CNR SSC themed office hours. Uh, you can find that on the SSC calendar. And you guys can learn about plant, SFE plants. Uh, you can talk about travel, pets, and a lot more. So before we get started, uh, Dr. Lidicote, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, hi, I'm Dr. Kendra Lidicote and I'm an Associate Professor of Environmental Education in the Human Dimensions of Natural Resource Management Discipline. Okay, nice. How long have you been at Stevens Point for? A uh, little over eight years. I started here in August 2012. Um, I moved out here from New York where I was finishing up graduate school. Okay, what did you, did you major in, uh, did they, did they have that, Could, did they have like a humans dimensions uh, major or like CNR things uh, out in the, out in the East Coast? Yeah, so my PhD is in natural resources. I was okay. in the Department of Natural Resources, which was pretty similar to our college here because it had folks who did soil and human dimensions and wildlife and forestry and water all kind of together, um, just as here we're pretty interdisciplinary in the CNR. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, my PhD was in natural resources. We didn't have specializations, although okay. I focused my research on environmental education. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then what led you to come to Stevens Point? I feel like that's that's quite a quite a ways quite a ways away from uh, New York. Yeah, and I had hardly ever been in Wisconsin actually, so it was a little bit of a, a change. Although the ecology is pretty similar, it's just flatter mm -hmm. here than where I yes. was. The trees and everything are pretty much the same. Um, well, the CNR is a really great per place, especially mm -hmm. for environmental education. So. Um, there wasn't really any question in my mind when I was able to interview for a job here and was offered a job that this was definitely where I was going to come. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, there yeah. wasn't a lot. I mean, it felt far, but to come to the CNR is great. Mm -hmm. uh, for some incoming students, maybe that may be listening, um, what, what makes Stevens Point so unique uh, for human dimensions and education? There are actually very few programs that have as many students and as many faculty in environmental education. Um, mm -hmm. Most places, maybe I would be able to teach one environmental education course in and amongst some recreation classes or from education classes. Uh, whereas here we have multiple faculty who specialize in that, which is pretty exciting. Um, and we have some outreach programs that are quite extensive and work across mm -hmm. the state. So there, there are a lot of opportunities here. And I think it's, it's exciting to work with other people who have the same interests. Okay, that's, that's really unique, I guess. Um, so a lot of, for those of you who don't know, a lot of uh, other programs too have, we're 100% teaching college, which is really unique to a lot of places. Um, being able to have that, you, that small student to staff ratio is really helpful when finding that, when 
kind of finding your niche to, to get involved into in your majors and stuff like that. So another question that I wanted to ask was, did you, like, when was the point that you knew that you wanted to go into natural resources? Like, did you have like an awakening moment of like, this is what I want to do? I don't know if I have a particular moment. Um, so as an undergrad, I made, I did major in biology. We didn't have natural mm -hmm. resources. Um, although I kind of went back and forth with history and education and around a few times, but I did end up majoring in biology. And I think it was a combination of working at a camp for people with disabilities as the nature instructor. I was like, wow, this is the best job ever. I could do this, <laughs> I guess, a career. Um, mm -hmm. And then right after I graduated from college, I got a job working for the YMCA teaching environmental education. And that was, I, I learned a tremendous amount. Um, and I think that was really when I realized that that was the career path I was following. Um, so, so it was a combination, I think, of being really enjoying it um, in a summer job, but then also getting some practical experience. Oh, okay. So that's, that's, re that's really good to hear. Um, did you guys, or did you have any other um, places where you were applying to or like what, what made you come to Stevens Point? I know you said it was really unique, but were there any other options uh, that you were weighing besides Stevens Point coming here? Um, yes and no. Um, at the time, not really. Um, I mean, that's kind of how the academic job market works. You sort of wait for positions to open up, especially mm -hmm. in a fairly small field. Um, I was teaching at, uh, at the place that I had done my master's degree at SUNY Cortland, which is the State University of New York at Cortland. And I really enjoyed teaching there. I was an adjunct. Um, so I would have happily stayed there for a while longer, mm -hmm. but there I was teaching a whole range of recreation classes, whereas here I was able to focus on environmental education. Um, I was also applying for positions as full-time camp mm -hmm. director or leading an environmental education program. So if I hadn't ended up here, I probably would have ended up doing that and not being a professor, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Uh, do you have any specific courses that you like to teach at Point? Or even in um, the past too? Yeah, I, well, I think I like almost all the ones that I'm teaching. Uh, every semester I get to teach our large environmental education course for education majors, which I know it's not in the CNR, but it's pretty fun just because we're exposing students to something that they often haven't thought a whole lot about. Mm -hmm. I think of my CNR classes that I'm teaching, uh, I really enjoy teaching our research methods, our social science methods class. Just, I, I think I enjoy the subject and it gets students to think in a different way, which is enjoyable to me as a professor. Um, and then two years ago, I developed a new course that's currently called Diversity and Natural Resources, although Next fall, it'll change to inclusive practices for outdoor professionals. And that was fun because it's, well, it's my own class. I developed it um, and I, it get, lets me incorporate my background working with people with disabilities and my experiences growing up in New York City. And we have some really good conversations. So I've really enjoyed teaching that every semester. How, how important is it to have these uh, speaking courses and um, like human dimensions aspect of it, like these classes that teach you about um, like diversity and stuff like that? How is that include or how is that important for um, natural resources? Some people may think that like they're just going to be studying or they're going to be collecting data so they don't need to learn about public speaking or something like something like that. Uh, why do you think that that's important? Um, 
for students to learn? Yeah, I think it's important for everybody in the CNR to learn because, well, because I think that managing plants and animals in some ways is easier than managing the people who interfere with the plants and the animals. Mm -hmm. um, and so we all need those skills, I think, to figure out how to solve conflicts and communicate information and listen and creatively problem solve. Uh, all of those things I think are pretty important and those are human dimension skills. Mm -hmm. I also, I think that we live in a diverse world and so understanding that our own perspective might be different from someone else's mm -hmm. and that their perspective will influence how they interact with natural resources. I think that's a really valuable thing to walk away from college with. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would encourage, I mean, obviously everyone has to take a range of courses in the CNR, mm -hmm. but I would mm -hmm. like to think that the human dimensions piece is important for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, do you have any ways that students can get involved? Like, are you, uh, do you have programs running uh, or like education programs and stuff like that, that students could get involved in? So that's a little bit of a tricky question right now because we're not doing a whole lot of in-person anything. Yeah. Um, so ordinarily, yes, there are some great opportunities to volunteer at Schmeekly Reserve for the candlelight hike. I'm sure many mm -hmm. students have attended that over the years, but to get involved and lead some of the stations there or assist with other programs at Schmeekly. Uh, students will also often volunteer at the museum, the Natural History Museum doing mm -hmm tours and story hours and things like that. Uh, sometimes faculty are looking for research assistance. So like last fall, I hired a couple of students to drive around the state with me and interview folks at different nature centers, which was really fun. Um, so it, it right now it's a little tricky to do too many outreach in-person activities, but hopefully in the future we can do some more. Of yeah. Um, so I've always been a little confused on how how does the research uh, work in your field? Like how, how does the data collection side of things go? Is that more quantitative, I would imagine? Or I mean, qualitative, excuse me. It can be both. Um, I generally do more qualitative. I've done more interviewing uh, and mm -hmm. focus groups, which are like group interviews. Other members of the human dimensions group uh, do more quantitative data of surveys or census data. Um, you can also do observations. I've had graduate students who have collected observation data. And then whatever type of data you collect, you just need to analyze it appropriately, mm -hmm. whether it's using qualitative or quantitative methods. And so quantitative would be numbers, and mm -hmm. qualitative would be words. Yep. Uh, so what did you do your research on, uh, your PhD on? I got really interested in the long-term impacts of environmental education experiences for kids. I had been working in the field and I, I wanted to know if what we were doing was making any difference. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it's a little hard to tell with kids, like they leave and you wonder, hmm, did they just forget all of that? Yeah. So I interviewed adults and high school students about their environmental education experiences as kids to try to figure out which pieces were memorable and why, and then what they've done with what they learned. Mm -hmm. So I did that at three different sites around the country. And then I've actually done some of that here in Wisconsin with the Manitowoc School Forest and the Boston School Forest here in town. That's really, that's really interesting. Uh, and I'm sure students would probably be really interested in doing something like that uh, in this field too. Do you have 
like do you did you were you involved in any clubs that kind of got you to kind of narrow down your focus a little bit more as a student yeah yep hmm I don't know I have to think back um <laughs> I don't think there were really any student orgs specifically who that helped me towards natural resources uh there were some but I didn't really belong to them mm -hmm. um one thing that I did do with my roommate in college, we decided we wanted to learn sign language, which was going to be a really useful skill if you want to work with people with disabilities. So somehow we managed to hire a sign language teacher and start having a class and have presentations. And I don't remember, you know, that was like 25 years ago. I don't really remember how we did it, but mm -hmm. I think it is a good thing to remember that as a student, if there's something you want to learn, just make it happen. Even if nobody mm -hmm. else is doing it, you can probably recruit people to be interested if you're making it happen mm -hmm. yeah that's really helpful are there any clubs on campus that students can get involved in yeah there are a whole bunch of them through human dimensions um the one i would be closest to would be the would be ena environmental educators and naturalists association which meets on tuesday evenings um, but there are also the students for sustainability um, or sustainable communities. I don't remember. Uh, there, there are a number of them associated with natural resource planning. Um, and then uh, 350.org, quite a few different environmental organizations, kind of depends on which part of human dimensions you're in. And I should also mention that law enforcement is part of human dimensions. So SLEA, the Student Law Enforcement Association, is a big organization as well. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what paths students could go down? You said that there was multiple areas that you just briefly touched on. What what are some end jobs or places that you could end up? Yeah, so human dimensions were pretty broad. Um, mm -hmm. If you're in environmental education interpretation, which is what I'm in, uh, students can end up working at nature centers, at places like Suez or Schmeekly. They could work at a zoo. Um, some of them work for a camp, like for a YMCA. Others will work for the National Park Service as a park ranger or for a state park. Um, mm. If you're in wildlife education, you could work in those places as well, but also maybe more in the zoo and aquarium end of things. Natural resource planning, which is another one of our options. Those students uh, can work for a city council. They could work for, a lot of them work for a land trust. Um, some of them end up working for state or local governments. If you're in the conservation law enforcement, students then could end up working um, as a warden or go work for the park service or the forest service in an enforcement mm -hmm. capacity. Some will also end up as sheriffs or police officers. Um, in the environmental science and management and sustainability options, those are broader. Mm -hmm. Students might end up working for a business like as their sustainability coordinator um, or for a city or maybe for somewhere like UWSP. Mm -hmm. And I think those are all of the main tracks in our discipline and some associated jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there any piece of advice that you would give students to help narrow that down at all? Like to what field they would like to go into? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think that the more experience you get, the easier it is to know whether you like it mm -hmm. um, and talking to professionals certainly helps because you maybe get the real story about what you would be doing. Mm -hmm. um, 
many of our fields, uh, you have to get, well, many of our fields hire a lot of seasonal workers, which I think is great because you get to work in a lot of different places and gain different experiences. Um, but it also means that, you know, you might end up somewhere for a little while that you realize, oh, that's not for me, but that's okay because you're only doing it for a few months and then you can go work somewhere else. You know, you try working for the park service, maybe, maybe that's not for you. And then you go work with kids at a nature center and you like that better. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful for students probably to narrow that down a little bit more is getting, getting that more experience and uh, it, it helps that they're kind of shorter employment, right? Is that what you're kind of getting yeah, at? I think, I mean, I think that you, yes, I think that that helps. I think that as long as you take advantage of that and you're willing to move around and you're willing to try new things, then mm -hmm. you can get a lot of experience and discover really what you're looking for. I also think, I don't know, somehow when we're in college, I think there's a lot of pressure to narrow down and choose. Whereas once you get out and you're working somewhere, I think that actually the range of skills you need is much broader. So, mm -hmm. I mean, whether you, you know, whether you choose wildlife education or environmental education or interpretation, once you're doing it, you're using all of those skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then now before we wrap up, I was going to ask you two questions to kind of conclude the podcast. Um, what is something that you that you dislike about your field or, or even your job right now? Uh, could be anything from parking to walking up the flights of stairs, anything. Well, probably everyone will say this, but it's been a real, as someone who chose the field because we learn outside and we do experiential learning, mm -hmm. teaching through Zoom has certainly been an interesting experience, although I think it's been going better than I maybe would have imagined if you had asked me a year ago how it would go. <laughs> yeah. Um, students here are really creative and we can all figure out how to how to have experiences even through Zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, something that I I think is a challenge. Um, I don't know. I think that in our field, as I said, there are a lot of seasonal positions, and I think that. That, that is challenging if students don't embrace that. Um, you know, I wish that I could say you'll graduate and you'll get your dream job immediately and you'll just stay in that for the next 20 years. But I don't know if I would even want that. I think I would get bored. And mm -hmm. so I'm glad there are a lot of seasonal opportunities, but that can be challenging for certain students. Mm -hmm. And then our final question would be the flip side of that. What, what drives you to be in this field? Like, what are you really passionate about? I think it's a combination of being passionate about environmental issues and wanting to help other people become passionate and make a difference in conservation um, and caring a lot about social justice issues and feeling like if I can work with students, I can maybe make a difference on a small level, but then also they can go out and make a much bigger difference, um, both helping people and helping the environment because that's really what we're doing in environmental education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really enjoyed being able to meet with you today. That was really helpful. And I hope that students that are incoming too will be able to know a lot more about this field. There's, there's not a lot of representation, I feel like, through students uh, or incoming students who want to be in this field. Um, they kind of learn more about it while they're in school. And I really hope that people on the outside can see this and 
know that this is something that they'll be able to go into. I certainly do too. We always talk about environmental education as sort of being a discovery career that people think they're going to do something else and then suddenly they realize, oh wait, I could do this for my job. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it'd be great if students didn't, if students discovered it a little sooner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's all that we have for today. Uh, I hope that you guys can tune in next Monday. If you guys have any questions about paper science, uh, you guys can go to the CNR Reporter podcast website and you can send me a message and we can answer those next week. Hopefully you guys have a good and safe Halloween. Stay warm, everyone. See you soon.